This is working to me. It is Tuesday morning, July 7th, 2020. I'm Kevin Gooney. Glad you could join us. Mike Kern will join us in a minute as we talk about the world of sports on this busy, busy, busy start. I uh, hope you had a great 4th of July weekend. Busy start to the week already. Uh, baseball has announced its schedule, but a lot of players are announcing they're opting out. Uh, the NBA heads to the bubble beginning today. Um, so we figured this was a great time to get Amy Fadul on uh, from NBC Sports Philadelphia, the pre and post game host for the Sixers. Just one of the many responsibilities she has at NBC SP. And so we will talk to uh, Amy in a few minutes about all of that. She was actually, I think, I'm going to ask Amy in our first questions. Um, she was actually, I think, the last person who did a show from the studios in South Philly. Um, they have been locked up pretty much. Their newsroom and everything, obviously, has been locked up since uh, the night this all began with the Rudy Gobert stuff, and the Sixers played, obviously, the Pistons that night. So uh, a lot to get to with uh, with Amy. We'll also touch, I'm sure, on a couple of the other hot topic issues, maybe not with Amy, but with uh, with Mike as we get beyond the interview uh Deshaun Jackson uh on Monday night posting comments to his Instagram quoting Adolf Hitler and uh some comments attributed to Louis Farrakhan uh and is getting um some anti-semitic comments that he has been getting roasted upon um so we, Mike and I I'm sure we'll hit on that the team nickname conversation that's going on with the Cleveland Indians and the Washington Redskins. Uh, and you have to throw in the Atlanta Braves. There's even a movement at Notre Dame to change that uh, away from uh, the fighting Irish of Notre Dame, which, you know, as somebody who has grown up Irish, uh, I always thought, I don't think, if you ask many Irish people, they wouldn't take that as a, derogatory term as opposed to obviously it's understandable what has been with the with the term redskins or even with the character of chief wahoo and what the cleveland indians were for a long time or the atlanta braves or a lot of these other teams so mike and i'll talk about that a little later on in the show uh coming up on the show on thursday we're uh fortunate enough Mike Missinelli is going to join us uh, from uh, 97.5 The Fanatic and NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, former uh, colleague, former beat writer colleague uh, with one Mr. Kern. Uh, Mike will join us and discuss uh, everything that's going on. And there's a lot going on here as uh, you know, sports tries to get back, but the hurdles are pretty difficult at this point. And um, we're seeing that more and more. I think especially with baseball. Baseball has a really tough time uh, with some of the standards and practices to try to get back into the game, and that's been pretty clear so far here in the early going of the 2020 abbreviated season. When we come back, we'll be joined by Amy Fidel from NBC Sports Philadelphia, the talk Sixers, and a little bit of everything else. That's next. Working to Beat continues right after these messages. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, 
The Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Bee podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now, uh, one of the most familiar faces in Philadelphia media. Uh, she has been at Comcast Sportsnet now for a decade. Oh, I'm sorry, NBC mm-hmm. Sports Philadelphia for a decade. I don't want to get in trouble. Comcast. With your boss. Comcast, I, too. It's Comcast, too. Comcast, too. Uh, the host of the Sixers pre and post game live. She does pretty much everything at the station anyway. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last person to work from the studio Yes. At NBC Sports Philadelphia before everything shut down back in March. It's Amy Fadul. Amy, how are you? Thank you, guys. That's a heck of an intro. I love it. Thanks so much, Kevin. Yes, that's correct. Uh, we were the ones to break the news about the NBA season canceling. We were watching that jazz game kind of live take place as far as, you know, the feeds coming in. And, yeah, we were the last ones in the studio. And I was called the next morning and being like, yep, studio's closed. So, Hey, Amy, did you feel weird? Did you feel weird at all that the Jazz had had contact? I think it was with the Pistons, right? And then the Sixers had mm-hmm. played the like, and and there was some concern about that, or were you not really close to that to to worry that much? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't concerned for like us upstairs. So like, how the Wells Fargo Center is situated, obviously, you know, we Comcast Sports said NBC Sports Philadelphia when they built the, the Wells Fargo Center at the time, Core State's Arena. You know, they added us on. So we are literally connected on like an almost like an annex and our doors open up to either the concourse level or the event level, depending on which floor you're on. So we don't I hadn't gone down there that day. I mean, occasionally, you know, you, you'll go down. But with all of our stuff pre-taping and different things like that, I don't usually have a chance to go down to the locker room area for the Brett Brown press conference. So um, there wasn't any worry as far as like we were concerned. But I was like I texted Serena. Uh, right away because obviously she was going to be closer to the players. I texted Zoo and Allah and make sure that those guys, you know, were aware of, of what was happening. But it was just, it was a surreal situation because, you know, we had heard about this thing, this coronavirus, and it seemed like, oh, it's like everything else is someone else's problem. Like that's not something we right. deal with. And then all of a sudden it was right at your doorstep and literally in the Wells Fargo Center and they had to. I mean, I think we got news that the Wells Fargo Center shut down because they had to do a complete, like, industrial medical-grade cleaning and just to get everything, like, on tip-top shape. And then we were only allowed – I went back the next day. Like, I left some stuff, like, I thought I was coming back the next day, and no one was. Like, no one was allowed back in. So they let us back in for, like, these 10-minute windows if you had to get in that first couple of days. And then since then – um, to my knowledge, it's very few people that have been allowed in. People like engineers that need to get equipment to send out to people to work from home and type of thing. But it was definitely very, very surreal to kind of think that there's a guy that. And then there was people like Christian Wood. Like there were people right. that there were players that did test positive because of their maybe proximity to the Jazz and Rudy Gobert. Did have you guys gotten any indication when you'll be back in the building? Yeah, I mean, we are doing pre and post game for all of the resumption of games. Uh, fingers crossed that 
you know, everything kind of goes according to plan. You know, that's, there's so much up in the air with that. I feel like we're in the same boat. We're kind of with each team. You know, the, the Phillies are hoping that their season starts on July 24th. The Sixers are hoping that it starts back on August 1st. And the Flyers are hoping it starts back also on August 1st. So we're in that same kind of boat. Our plan is to be doing pre and post, um, have very limited people, obviously, at the office. You Normally, you guys have seen it. I mean, there's on any given day, there's 40, 50 people walking around there. If I had to guess, you know, the, the plans are going to be more like five to six people. Right. Walking around, just very essential people and, and staying, you know, you're in this area and you're in this area. So, I mean, with with that, we're, our plan is to do pre and post. Um, we hope to be in the studio and everything goes, you know, keeps going with the green phase and, and we don't take another backslide like we've seen, obviously, in some parts of the country and even around here. I mean, I know that it's it's kind of come back a little bit um, here. And so we're, we're doing the mask updates. But yeah, I mean, that's our hope. Our hope is, you know, once the games resume, that we'll be right there with them, pre- and post-game shows, you know, chucking along. Amy, how many people will you have in Orlando? Because I don't know what the protocols here is, who's going to uh, be there and who can't be there. Will you- yeah, it's a weird thing. Orlando, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the reports on how much it costs if you go to Orlando. 540 a night. Teams. 545 I mean, a night. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. And that's not even guaranteed access. Um, I think most, I, I mean, I, I don't. Wait know a minute. They're charging plans. the media people $545 a night. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you guys, you guys, you guys work for papers. What are We're you thriving. How many people are going? If it's going to cost oh you my $600 gosh. a night. Probably, starting, the, inqui- you know, probably the inquire only, I would assume. Now, I would you, assume there would be like one or two. Like for our do, purposes, do you have to book it for like 50 days? Or, that's the or, thing. You, you book it for the entire time, according to the reports I've seen. You book it for the entire time. So if you're the Wizards and you pay for it, 60 grand or whatever it is total for the entire time, and your team gets bounced, you're still on the hook for your 60 grand. So, oh um, man, I think for our purposes, you know, and that's another thing, like what we've seen with the Phillies, I think my, my understanding is it's going to be something similar. Like the players will then be you know, put off into a room. That room will be available via zoom, almost like an NCAA tournament feed. Right. Yeah. We don't always go to those games, but you can always get the interviews right mm-hmm. afterwards. So I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be something like that. You can email in your questions, so for our purposes, I mean, having somebody there is not necessary um, to get the story out and the sound back. Because what we care about is, all right, here's Brett Brown. All right, here's Tobias Harris. Here's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. So as long as we get those feeds, then we can show that on, on post game. But um, yeah, it'll be. I'll be interested to see who all who all has the budget to send a reporter wow. for something well, like sixty thousand well, dollars. And Zumoff and Allah and uh, Serena, they're all going to be back here. There's no local. Yes broadcast crews on site so you know and and i know there's another tier to that that, that's the one that you have to be within the bubble bubble there's also like an outer bubble where you can come and go if you're a reporter and you can leave if a team leaves and everything but you get basically you're just going to the building to sit in the upper deck and then to talk on a zoom which makes no sense so, so it's like, I saw that, Kevin, it was like 20. So the first, top tier is like 60 grand plus, like, right. I don't know what it is when you equate it all out, 65,000 or something. The next tier is somewhere around like 25, 27,000. And you're right. 
you don't get any access to the players. You just can be in the building in the upper, like echelon, upper of the arena. That's it. Like that's all you get. So I don't know what the benefit of that would be. Um, I guess to be, if you wanted to have like a reporter there and you would do like a live shot, here I am at that kind of scenario to show you're on the scene, but I don't know that that would be worth it. Hey, we all got Zoom backgrounds. I'll show Disney World behind me. No big deal. Well, do they throw in park cart hopper passes or something like with that? No, yeah, I can't. don't even think the rides are open. That's the real, real problem. I don't even think you can go on the rides. You know, Dole whips nothing. I don't know what you get with the twenty. Well, we could we could play golf. Kids. We could play golf. Listen, they got golf courses, I, right? I saw the I saw the union were already down there. They had a golf outing. That did make me a little jealous. So I was like, well. I don't think I can convince him to send me down there for that. <laughs> no, it's, 150 purposes, yeah. degree, it's 150 degrees down there right now, Amy. You don't want to be playing golf. Uh, I love the heat. Me. I love well, the heat. Okay. Well, <laughs> so when this does resume, and I think given the fact that they're loading on the airplanes and flying to Orlando in the next couple of days uh, as a league, mm-hmm. I saw the magic have already arrived technically. Yeah, that long bus ride. Well, I was going to say, they get an Uber over? They actually got a Disney bus, like one of those buses you take from the parking lot into the gate. Um, uh, I I like the monorail personally, but that's me. that's the best. Um, best. What's it going to be like? I mean, what's the caliber of basketball going to be like? How many of these guys are going to get there? And like we've seen with baseball a little bit. The heck with this, I'm out of here. Um. Are we expecting all this leading up to August 1st? Yeah, and that's a really good question. I think that it's such a big unknown when it comes to what it's going to look like. I mean, the NBA pretty much set the standard. Like, this is what we're going to do. This is the model that we have taken into account. And I think everybody thought, all right, well, that seems like a good model. And then you already see (coughs) our little cracks and fissures every now and again with players testing positive. And some thought was like, all right, well, if they test positive in June, that's fine. But it's not fine. It's not great. You're hearing right. Rudy Gobert still has symptoms. There's Freddie Freeman, for baseball example, has you know he has some of the more severe symptoms. So you wonder what it will look like. I mean, I think the level of basketball will still be very good. The eight games won't be maybe the highest level of basketball because it depends on who has something to play for, right? I mean, the Sixers, they don't want to move up too high in, in my mind. I mean, obviously, you're not going to not try. But you don't move up too high and then face the Raptors too early or teams that you, the Celtics is actually a pretty good matchup for them. So I think their mindset right now going to these eight games for the Sixers is let's get healthy. Let's get our chemistry back. Let's try to find that chemistry and let's see what rotations we have. I think that's going to be a lot of the te- teams that are like upper echelon. But I mean, like, I don't know if there's going to be players that get down there and look around and think, I don't know about this. Well, the trick for the Sixers is going to be they're at they're at six right now. They will match up against Boston. I think mm-hmm. Boston's a better matchup than Miami would be. One, two. How do you avoid a backsliding Indiana though? I mean, yeah. Indiana without Oladipo. Um, you know, I I just don't know. Like, I I think it's critical for the Sixers to play well in those eight games leading into whatever series they're going to get against Boston or Miami, but. You're right. I, I, I almost you almost don't want them to go to, do, do too well, so they get yeah, so they end up in the Miami Milwaukee bracket. No, yeah, you don't want to be in that, that bracket until you absolutely have to, which would be the Eastern Conference Finals at that point. I mean, their best case scenario is go Celtics Raptors, 
um, I think for them, that would be in their mindset if you had to ask them, which they're never going to say, but if you had to ask them and, and if you're asking me, like, I would think that would be the better scenario. You don't want to be in the heat bucks bracket because you're facing a heat team that has, has you solved. They know exactly how to beat you. We've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. And you're going to be facing a playoff version of Jimmy Butler. Like, you know what that looks like. We saw it. It is a completely different level of a guy. He, um, I think some of the players are going to be supremely focused. I heard the argument that it wasn't going to be – the championship has an asterisk if somebody oh, – bar- That's Kern's, that's Kern's yeah, dog. Yeah, my, my little Chanel must have saw a dog outside. but Or the mailman. We'll be fine. <laughs> nah, mailman don't come this early. Okay. That's true. Uh, I was going to say it's it's pretty – it's early after or, – or mid-morning. Mid-morning. Or late morning. Yeah. So, but I was going to say, like, then they say, oh, you know, they'll have an asterisk by it. I was like, I, I think it will, but I think it'll be actually a tougher win because of all the stuff going around. I just think that it, it's so much more of a, it's like more of an NCAA tournament. Like, there is a lot of pressure on you. You got to get this done, and you have a very finite amount of time to do it in. You don't have another 25 games to figure this season out. You got eight. And then, then you're right in the, the deep of the playoffs. So I'll be interested. I mean, the Sixers, I think, have the biggest dichotomy of like, hey, what could happen? We could either lose in the first round or we could go to the NBA finals. Like, it's such a such a, a varied, you know, expectation for them and, and possibility. Amy, what, you know, this was a team that only lost twice at home, mm-hmm. but lost more on the road than it won. So, it, yeah. you know, we couldn't figure that out. Now you're going to have no fans. So... In theory, you won't have a home court advantage, but you won't have a road disadvantage. Is that going to – I mean, how much different is that going to be? Because they fed off the crowd here. I mean – Oh, yeah. We, we all knew that, and for whatever reasons, they had their problems when they couldn't. But Or is every team in the same position so it really isn't going to make much of a difference? Yeah, I mean, that's the good point is that these neutral sites um, – and, and it's a neutral site, and I say that knowing that Orlando obviously is right down the road, but the neutral site and the fact that there are no home fans, there are no road fans, there's no animosity, there's also no cheering. You know, it'll be interesting. It should take these guys back a, a bit into a little bit more of a this is a scrimmage type of mindset, but they need to get over that. You need to bring that intensity because, as you mentioned, Kern, like we all see Joel Embiid absolutely feed off the crowd at home. It's, he's a completely different player, and he's not going to have that. So you have to really self-generate that. And I think the teams that have really good leadership and really good veterans are going to be able to do that better than teams that don't. The Sixers need to find that because they are a young team, and that makes them you know, so much more dangerous because you don't know what you're going to get any given day. They're the team that can put up 120 points, and they're a team that can put up 80 points. That's the youth in them sometimes. But – a team that's going to be led by veterans and some leadership and some vocal leaders, they're going to have to keep them focused because it's going to be totally different. I mean, you're going to have squeaky shoes and trash talk. That's it. Well, Amy, you saw every, that dives on that. But you saw every game. You watched almost every play. What was the problem on the road? Why were they so much of a – I mean, obviously you're going to be better at home. Every team's going to be better at home. Yeah, but, but not their, to that their difference was like a historic difference. Yeah, almost. T- yeah. I think what they were the 10 and 24. I think they I mean, were 10, 10 and 24 on the road. 10 and Something 24 like on the road. Yeah. And they just they just picked up win 10 on the road, like right before right. the season suspended. So, I mean, you go through the, what did you the, see? What did you see that was causing them to be 10 and 24 on the road? Yeah, I think it's a mix of a couple of things. It was interesting when Ty- Tobias Harris came out and said, you know, we really, our chemistry just wasn't right all year. I think for them, it started out as they were not completely together. And when you're on the road, 
that can be exposed if you're not completely together and you're not completely bought in and you're not completely with the system. And then it got in their heads and then it was a thing. Like it became a thing. It was something everyone talked about every time they went on the road. I don't care who they're playing. They could play the Hawks as we know and lose in Atlanta. And you're thinking the Hawks, the Hawks only have like 10 wins at period at that point. And it was mind boggling. I think it was when it started out because they weren't completely all together. You know, it was a hodgepodge, maybe not the best setup initially. Al Horford, though, I think that they get him for the playoffs, and I think he is going to turn into a different player. He has said himself he wasn't healthy. He wasn't himself. He's playing out of position when he plays with Joel Embiid. We all see that. He's a five, and he has to scoot over to the four, and then everybody slides down, right? So So they're out of sorts a little bit. They go on the road, and it's exposed. You can't overcome that because mm-hmm. the road lets you see into the little pieces and little peaks of the of the fissures that a team might have. The road exposes them. The home court heals it because you can feed off the crowd. You can kind of get that energy. You know, there is I, you know you talk to these players and they always say there's something about sleeping in your own beds. It seems to be a mental thing. It should not matter where you lay your head down at night, but it does. We all know that you sleep better. If you're at home and you're comfortable and that's what happened. And then I think it just got in their heads, Kern. I think they actually started to think about it and be like, oh, great. Here we go. We're on another road game. We're down in Orlando. We're at Washington. They hadn't won in Washington in in years. It's mind boggling. And and to me, it's a sign of immaturity. Uh, Especially with your two biggest players who were night and day between home and road. They, you you know, you hate using the term front runners, but. Joel and Ben both were kind of front runners playing to that crowd. And then whenever they were in a hostile environment or something was out of sorts, they both regressed. And that leads to my question about in, in this time or for the Orlando situation, is it bigger for Simmons and Bede or Brett Brown? I mean, the simple answer is Brett Brown, because I feel like that guy's been on the hot seat for four years now. But um, honestly, I mean, the easy answer is, of course, all three. Um, Brett Brown is certainly on it, but I think it's it's biggest for your biggest star. and, And the Sixers need to decide who that is. I think it could be Joel Embiid. I think it's bigger for him. I think Ben Simmons has a lot to prove in the postseason. He did not have a very good postseason last year when you look at his numbers. Certainly in that Raptors series. Joel did. Joel had a very good. And Simmons had had an awful series against the Celtics two years ago. Exactly. So he and, and, and Kevin, to your point, the immaturity, you know, that's something that you have to deal with. Unfortunately, this is the day and age where the NBA has players that have only played one year in college. If that some of them, not at the highest level of college, meaning it's not like they made a deep run in the tournament and they had all these like games to go into hostile environments or big crowds or anything like that. I think that sometimes plays into it. Joel Embiid has only been playing basketball since he was about 13, 14 years old. Obviously Ben Simmons, not the case. He's been playing basketball since he could walk. But I think that there is something to be said for their lack of experience, period, on a basketball court. And I don't mean that as a negative because I do think that that can come into play. I mean, I know you guys, when we watch college basketball, sometimes Mm -hmm. when you don't know any better, you do better because you just go out there and play. But there is the expectation level of those two guys, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, is sky high. And they feel it. And I know that they feel it. So when you have a bad series like Ben did against the Celtics two years ago, and he didn't have a great series against the Raptors. I mean, they certainly solved him and we've seen him struggle at times. 
I think that that is putting a lot of pressure on them and they need to rise to that. So I think it's a, the biggest series for the two of them. I, I don't know that I could separate Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons since they're both at superstar caliber level. Um, but I think for them, you know, this is where your legacy as a player is cemented. This is what people talk well, about. Somebody has to step regular, up. Yeah, right. the regular season's great, but if you don't do anything in the postseason, no one, no one's going to remember you. Somebody has to step forward as the alpha dog here. I mean, somebody has to step forward and be the guy on this yeah. team, and it may ruffle the feathers of the other one, but one guy has to take control of this, or this is going nowhere. That, that's yeah, my that's, opinion. It's a really good point. You look at all the teams, you know, even the superstar teams that have multiple superstars. There's always somebody that really steps up when the the time is called. I mean. Dwayne Wade was a great player in Miami of his own right. He won a championship, great. And then LeBron comes, and Dwayne has to defer. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Then you go out there, and the Warriors. And the Warriors are probably the closest to having a two-headed snake when they had Clay and Steph. But Steph was the leader, right? He had stepped up. He took control of the game. Yes, he never won. A, he has not yet to win a Finals MVP. The, guy, the guy's right. very young. I'm sure he could win one another. But he stepped up when it, he needed it to be his voice. And everyone knew that it was his team. When KD went there, it was a little bit muddled. And I think that's why that experiment didn't work. Obviously it worked to the tune of two championships, but I don't know how that could have been sustained having uh, KD is a leader. KD wants to lead. He wants right. to have his own team. He went out there to win championships. He won two. I don't know that that could have lasted much longer. It would have been interesting to see because KD wants to be a leader, and it was Steph's team. Everybody knows the Warriors are Steph's team. So mm -hmm. I, I would be interested to see what that goes. But to your point, you need to have one guy kind of rise to the top. It doesn't mean the next guy has to go all the way down. It just means you need to have Tier 1 and Tier 1A because you have to have someone be able to step up. So if that's Joel, I mean, they're both leaders in their own way, but they're not the traditional kind of guys we see. Right. You know, We see guys sure. that are – vocal and out there and in your face and they're stepping up and and neither one of them seem to be that way and you just wonder is it because they're deferring to the other they don't feel that it's their team or is it because they want to try to do it together i mean i that i, I don't know see at the same time though and i agree with kevin's point but you also need the other parts as good as Kawhi was last year and he was obviously great they had three or four or five other guys in that team that really played Siakam up to and their ability. A lot of them. Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. Yeah. yeah, Van Fleet played great. Mm -hmm. um, there, was a, there was a few guys. The Sixers need, no matter what Joel and, and Ben do or don't do, Tobias has to play. you got to get something out of Horford. Maybe a Shake Milton or somebody like that. Y you're not going to win. And that, I think, has been the problem with this team somehow is getting those other two or three pieces, you know, coordinated with your kind of superstar. Which is surprising. That, that falls on Brett. Which is surprising. Yeah, well, it and it's surprising, too, because of how many draft picks they had through the hinky years that they've really never been able to develop that second-tier guy who would have mm -hmm. been a contributing factor. You know, I think it's, everybody thought Dario would turn into that a little bit. Well, he was gone. So Yeah, he could have. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, your, what they got, that's what they got Harris for. And, but last year they had Butler and Harris. But I think Harris also I thinks mean, he is a guy. <laughs> he's the main guy. You know, in a different well, way. but he's got to be Kevin. He's got to be, though, that third guy that you can count on. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to score 25, but to get 18 yeah. almost every, yeah. you know, 
and do some other things. And when Ben, you know, we've seen games where Ben maybe isn't having a great game for whatever reason. You have to have another guy who can run the team and especially do something. And especially because one of your alphas, if, for lack of a better term, doesn't want to shoot. You hate right. saying it. He that doesn't. Way. I know it's hard to believe you, that's breaking news. <laughs> and that's what scares think, me wait. about if they play Miami. But you don't know Spolster that. throws that zone out. And yeah. They, oh, yeah. That's, do, no they do not that handle zone. that well. No. Go ahead, Amy. I'm when, sorry. I was just going to say, like, this This might be the most interesting aspect of the eight games. So there's no pressure as far as fans. I know that it's, you know, when Ben Simmons shoots a three, the fans go crazy all, you know, with the hand three times he's done it. Maybe he shoots more threes because there's no one in the stand. <laughs> I'll be interested to see because he's like, hey, why not? I mean, those things are mental, I think. At What's this the over-under on that, Ames? I, you know what? I'd love to see what the sports books have on it because I bet it's got to be one a game. I guess, or half over the eight games. So maybe four. I mean, how, many did he shoot in the six, how many did he shoot in the 65 games? Three, that they, I believe. That, yeah, three. Okay, so that's about. I think three legit shots <laughs> <laughs> for a whole season. Uh, uh, Amy, I mean, Fid- Amy Fidol from NBC Sports Philadelphia is joining. Sorry, Amy. Right, good. No, you're good. You're good. So I was just going to say, like, I, it's just it's such an unknown. And you talked about Tobias Harris and what he needs to be is that third guy. And that third guy on all those teams you guys just named, like for the Raptors, and if you look at some of the championship teams, obviously for the, it's a consistent guy. That's where the Sixers don't really have that just yet. You need a guy that not only can get you 18, he can get you 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 16, 16. Whatever it is, he needs to be that every night because Joel Embiid is going to get double teamed. So he's not going to be able to go off and have 35 points every night. Yeah, you can't go. Ben Simmons is going to be off. You can't go 20. You got to have that guy. Right. You can't go 25 and nine. Like you can't go 25, nine. 17 5, that kind of stuff, which happens with the Bison. I think, I think the yeah. thing that went underrated with the Warriors, what, they had superstars. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, they, but they had other guys. You know, Draymond would give Draymond would give Igadawa, but they always seemed like they had the guys right. who would give you that effort um, just in case Steph didn't have a great game or yeah. Clay was off that night or yeah. whatever. And that's going to happen. And Beat and Simmons aren't going to be superstars every game as much as we want them to. You just have to hope they're superstars more often than not. They, they, yeah, role players are huge. I mean, role players make – Pascal Siakam went from a, a, almost an unknown yeah. coming out of New Mexico State to sixth man of the year to an all-star. I mean, that guy was in the MVP discussion early on in the season because he, had, he was making that Raptors team go. Everybody thought the Raptors would be left for dead. Kawhi left. That's it. We're all done. And then all of a sudden they burst out of the gates, and everybody's like, oh, this guy can play. Of course, the, Brian Colangelo passed on him yeah. twice. Yeah. That's okay. Well, no big why deal. Do you, why do you bring that up? Why, why do you do stuff because like it's that? A, you know, this is the, this is the, like, this is the different Siakam. Amy. <laughs> this is Siakam. We could have had Siakam. I, I like this Pascal. Amy. I like this Amy. I like this Amy. Uh, <laughs> give me Pascal Siakam. Uh, let me flip the baseball. Are they going to play? I think, uh, I think so. I mean, a, that, I say that, that was like, spoken with confidence, like, Amy. That was, it was that was not confidence. No, it was more of a beg. It was like, I think so. Please, um, yeah. The baseball is a real problem. I mean, in the fact that they're traveling, they're yeah. moving around, and that is an issue. It's just the nature of travel. Listen, we're seeing it all over. They opened with the Marlins. First thing I thought was like, well, Florida, not. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. It's it's troublesome. 
to think about it. I mean, the NHL doing the hub cities, obviously Orlando being uh, the main place for MLS and for the NBA, those have a better chance of keeping any kind of bubble situation. And obviously the bubble is, is a little iffy. It's more like a, a mesh dome at this point, but it's still a contained entity, even with a little bit of holes in it. When you're moving, I don't care if you're just moving up and down the Eastern seaboard, it's a problem. I mean, there's some, there's going to be some issues. We've seen it with golf who's been traveling around, you know, they, they have these planes they travel in and the guys are still sometimes getting sick because baseball's going to have to, Felix Hernandez said it best, baseball's got to police themselves. You got to be accountable to your teammates and you got to say, when you go home, you go home, and that's all you do. And when you, you don't see, go out, you don't do anything else. And when you yeah, see, but didn't Freddie Freeman say he got it, and like had taken care of all? Like I think there was some kind of statement, like he didn't do anything wrong, no, and still got yeah. it because that happens. Yeah, well, I mean, he's at home. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You have people come to you. You don't know where you pick it up. I mean, right. you think you're being okay. You have your mask on. You go to the grocery, the grocery store. You go fill up at the gas station. Who knows? I mean, if you can't trace it, that's the bad thing. Like Aaron Nola, mm. at least, you know, he came out and said everybody thought he had it. He didn't. But he saw someone that had it. It was like, well, all right, well, I'm just going to go ahead and shut this down. And he tested, obviously, negative. But once it starts... There's, there's, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're getting. I mean, the, the players have to be able to trust one another because we've all been in those clubhouses. I mean, you're, right. There you are. It's just us and, and, and touching everything, breathing in the same air, and it's that's it would be unnerving a little and, bit to and me. And I think what also hurts is what's happened with Major League Baseball with the testing breakdowns already. That mm. you, you oh, didn't God, have yeah, testing. Yeah, you can't. The Jeez. Nationals couldn't even get their tests Test, back because all yeah. the holiday, and then they were late. Yeah, that like, you have three teams. <laughs> you you have three teams who couldn't work out on Monday. You can't have that less no. than three weeks before yeah. a season. I mean, it, it, it. You're right. And I think what happens is. Players are going to look at it if there's another breakdown like that, and you already have yep. the Trouts and the Posies and all these guys who are yeah. respected within clubhouses. Maybe not known nationally, where nationally in a sense where, like if LeBron back, if LeBron backed out, the NBA is done. It. Correct. Trout and all them. If they back out, it won't be the public clamoring, okay, we can't have baseball and all that. It'll be people in their own clubhouses going, this is just, too, you know, if these guys who are making all this money, they're not comfortable with this, then why should I be? And that's where I think the problem is going to lie for baseball here. And that's why I kind of have doubts that they could get through another testing situation like this. I, it, it's just so more complex to do it with the travel, as you mentioned, and going everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost like a an analogy to how it is in in our world in real life. And not to say baseball's not real life, but when you're you're making thirty five million dollars a year, that's not, it's real, not life. real life. I don't know that life. No, but it, you know, people have to work. People are going back to work. They're putting themselves out there. Waitresses and hospital workers and you know essential workers. They have to work. People have to work. You have to go. People want to keep their jobs. So they're to your point, Kevin. If a Mike Trout, people are like, oh, that guy, I have to be here because I'm only making, with after the salary cuts, $120,000, which is a lot. Right. But not compared to what they could be making, what they should be making, or what everybody else is making. That guy needs to work. That guy probably, his whole family depends on that income. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that works because there are guys in those clubhouses, we all know, that aren't at the Trouts and Harpers and Zach Wheeler levels. 
and they need that money. But then, but then, if, but then, if Trout and Harper and all those guys back exactly. out, the sport loses legitimacy for a season that many exactly. view as kind of bastardized in a way already. Yeah, because you're yeah. you're playing sixty as opposed to one sixty two or even ninety. So, Mike, yeah, I mean, this is this is you've one hundred and sixty two game season boiled down to sixty games. I mean, it's it, it's it's a really tenuous product that they're going to be putting out. And if they have a couple more big guys that say they're not going to play, then you know, minor league baseball wasn't canceled. It's just going to be coming to a television. Near, Wait, you, you know, know who's going to wind up that level? Yeah, it's going to become a war of attrition. Like right now, the yeah. Braves. Have three players, I think, who aren't playing a pitcher. Well, Mark, um, uh, it's Markakis, Felix, and um, and Freeman, and, who are either well, Freeman yeah. might play. I don't know. if Freeman's Yeah, Freeman, going to I think. Out. I think he's. But, you know, he hasn't said, but he, I, I, right. But the that's word on the street is he wants to play. Right. Yeah, and you're going to see. I mean, I hope we don't, but you might see some teams that are just playing AAA guys at some yeah. point because eight of their regulars have decided. And what's going to happen too? Let's say the, the Braves' first fifteen or twenty games, they go five and twelve. They might say to hell with it. We can't win. You know, I'm I'm going home. And, and, and that and that and that's what makes it really difficult for baseball because, look, they're not getting fans' money. I get it in a sense of they're mm-hmm. not going to get, uh, they're not going to get the money from uh, you know tickets. But I'm sure the company that Amy works for does not want to broadcast minor league baseball for a whole su- uh, rest of a summer or ESPN or Fox or whoever it is, you're going to get into a question of, is this a legitimate product that you're putting out there? And our TV network's going to ask for some money back. That's where I yeah, think it, the problem is. It'll be very interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, when the, the owners and the players were going back and forth before they settled on the mandated 60 games, the owners had, the word had just gotten out that they had, you know, had the what the billion dollar contract with TBS, and then so obviously it watered down their argument. Hey, we're losing money. You just got a lot, but it's it's a question that it'll also come not only from a watered down product potentially, but also a watered down postseason. I mean, if the Phillies stay healthy, let's say they do, and Bryce Harper plays and Zach Wheeler plays and everything's going well, but they're playing it against minor league teams. Are you going to look at that if they win at all? You're like. Yeah, but I mean, you always look at a little bit of it. All right, that guy was injured. Like when we think about the 2012 playoffs for the Sixers, the first thing everyone mentions, well, the only reason they beat the Bulls is because Derrick Rose got injured. So this would be an entire season of that if that happens, if there are a number of players, Mike Trout's in, in the high level, the pit, Clayton Kershaw, the, all these guys, if they do, you're like, well, you're not even playing against the best guys. So did you win? I mean, or did they just, did they lose? It'll be interesting to see. And Kern, your point is great. I mean, if teams start out slow, what do they do? There is no time. You don't have time to make this up. I mean, you got to start yeah, out right. hot. If this was like, if this was two years ago, the Phillies with Gabe Kapler would be just prime. Because like, but Memorial Day the plan the p- fell off, but that first right. two months were great. They would have won it all. So all right. I'll be interested to see what the Giants do because he gets to have 85 pitchers, I think, in a game, and he'll be all excited out there. But it could, you know, you could see a team like the Marlins jump out to a hot start. They win, you know, 15 of their first 22 games. They're they're in first place. How do you catch that? It, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see baseball because I love baseball. It's one of my favorite sports to watch. But I just don't want the product to be diminished um, 
in any way. And, and that's just a selfish, that's a selfish motive for me. Like I, I don't want the players to put themselves in jeopardy. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but I, I'd like to see it if it can happen. Amy, let me ask you and Kevin this. Cause I was, I was going to talk with Kevin about this. when We did our little thing, but are we as a public, as a fan base, so selfish I read the Freddie Freeman story. I'm sitting here. Here's a guy who's really sick, apparently, who's never been sick a day in his life. Do we care? Like, does the average fan care? Or is it just like, no, that Freddie, be sick for two weeks or whatever. Then you'll be okay because it's really not that harmful. You're not going to die. Like, like, what are we saying? That we need sports so bad mm-hmm. that we're willing to risk Joel Embiid getting sick or whomever. Pick out a name. I just find that sometimes when I sit back and think about it, like, what are we asking? Because they make a lot of money. It's okay for us to ask them. But I just think at some point, maybe we're being a little selfish in saying we need this. So go ahead out and do it. And if you get sick, well, tough break. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, the answer is, are people as a whole selfish? Yes. You've met our country, right? I mean, we're generally selfish people. Is a person selfish? No. Like, as a person, I saw the Freddie Freeman thing and thought, oh, God, I can't believe yeah. he's really sick. I saw Rudy Gobert still having symptoms. Like, oh, my gosh, that's awful. Like, if these guys who are in the prime health, like the best health of, you know, millions of Americans, and they're still sick or they're getting sick, that doesn't bode well for me. But then as a people, we're like, well, you signed up for this. You know, you're a baseball player. You're a basketball player. You should go out there and play. Like, that's that's the difference as a collective unit. Yes. We are a selfish society. We we're at, we mm. like things for ourselves. We want these things for ourselves. We want that entertainment. I can't walk down the street in my neighborhood without someone stopping me and be like, well, can't wait for sports to be back. If they're not thinking about the person, they don't think so about what would it take us, Amy, what would it take us for us not to be selfish? Does somebody have to die? Does somebody have to go on a ventilator? Like I, I would that change our mind? Like it, like if let's say for Terry Francona got sick, and he's older, I guess. I don't know if he's got he's underlying causes. Uh, he has a ton of pick underlying causes, yes. Okay, yeah, pick a guy, and they either go on a ventilator or, God forbid, they pass away. Would we just sit there and go, okay, well, that's sad, but let's play the game tomorrow. Like, I, I, I don't know yeah, I where that line not. of demarcation is. I, I would hope not. I would hope, I mean, for me, seeing the guys that are that got sick and are actually still sick, and then maybe some, you know, that's another thing. We don't, we don't know what they're going to be like in six months, a right, year. Right, we don't know right. what this does to you. But it, it, that affected me. I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is something we need to really start thinking about. Is this safe? Is it safe to have, you know, these players who we enjoy uh, watching get sick for the benefit of us? But you're, you're asking if people would care. I mean, you should put that on Twitter and see. You're going to get a varied response. Yeah, Because right. that's how America is. And, and, I mean, it's. It makes us a great country. Like, I mean, right. we can all share our thoughts and stuff, but at the same time, there are going to be people who say, yeah, um, well, he was sick and he didn't die and that's okay. Or, well, he probably had an underlying condition or, I mean, I don't know what people would say, but yeah. I think if you put it out to the masses, you might get your answer on that. For me personally, it was, it was definitely, I had a real moment of pause when I saw Rudy Gobert say he's still, still feeling it. That was March 11th. I mm. mean, it is July. Yeah. That's to me. That was that was worrisome. I was uh, that made me worry. Well, and look at the actor who who was sick for ninety days in a right. hospital. Oh my god! Yeah, right. They who amputated, amputated his leg. Award winning Broadway actor. They amputated his leg ninety five days. The guy was sick. Forty one years old. 
I think 41. Yeah. I think one of the things and had no prior health conditions, like it wasn't diabetic or anything. Nope. Um, I think one of the things we, as a society, we, we try to mix sports and real life in a lot of ways too much. And, And what I mean by that is we believe that because, you know, an athlete makes way too much money, you know, compared to a, a fireman and a cop. But of course, we all agree with that, okay? But I think sometimes we forget what they're bringing in, you know, the, the mm-hmm. amount of, of financial power they bring in. So I think in this sense, we're using our real life police and fire and everything. And, and God bless, and my father was a policeman. God bless all, everything they've done. But it's not real life. This mm-hmm. isn't real life here. And when you look at what's happened with Freddie Freeman, and when you looked at what's happened with Rudy Gobert, and you look at the risk that I believe is unnecessary among baseball especially, um, I, I think we're doing it for our own purposes. I think we're doing it because we feel like they're paid that much and they should be doing this because, gosh darn it, we in America need it because you know no. we're tired of watching Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I mean, Kevin, the, Kevin, the problem is a lot of people live their lives through these guys. Well, Correct. Gambling. You know, they, they, you, their lives are like, if, if, look at what happens when one of our teams makes a run, the Sixers or the Flyers or whatever it be. Like, people are glued for, and, like, weeks. They don't I, talk and about Mike, anything else. Mike, I agree with that. But also look at the fact that how much of our economy is now tied up in it. How much uh, with, with stadium workers, right. with people who work now at gambling halls. Uh, right. You know, look, the, the in the center field of Citizens Bank Park right now, in the parking lot, is a big new casino that they're building. Yep. And it's not just because of table games. Okay? That's because of yeah. sports betting. Uh, in our industry, our industry struggled uh, you know, and uh, I'm I'm not going to talk well, for struggle, Amy. Well, they struggle with sports. It's I mean, struggle with sports. sports. That's true. And a lot of people in this industry are counting on sports gambling to help bring some of that back. Right. That's not a given. And now this has all happened at the worst time, and you've seen more of the economic ramifications of it going down. I mean, God, Fox gave up the U.S. Open. I mean, it. it you know, one of the signature jewels in – in American sports, Fox went, yeah, we don't need it anymore. And basically forfeited and gave it away. I mean, away. this is what has happened as a result of all this. And that's just the way American society is. We're so tied in now with sports that it's almost like a lifeline. You know, we have Robert Costa on. When we have Robert Costa on, I know I bring the interview up. Donald Trump views that if the NFL's not playing, he's got no shot of getting reelected. That's basically yeah, but, what but, it is. But he doesn't want him to kneel. <laughs> okay. And he doesn't. Now, think about this. He's saying he needs the NFL, but he doesn't want the Redskins to change their names, and he doesn't want them to kneel. And and he but doesn't. Otherwise, he wants the NFL, and he wants colleges to go back, which leads me to Amy. That's a perfect transition. Amy there is the biggest go. Kentucky fan in the world. Should college, yes. should college athletics. College I mean, a- it's you know, it is so. We are so tied to our teams, and we say you you hear it all the time. You know, we won. We're going to win it all, and that makes it great. And so you share in that, but obviously, there's a downside to that because it isn't. That isn't the reality of it. There is the flip side of players that some of them really want to play and you want them to want to play. And that's wonderful. But you also want to make sure that they know exactly what's going in. And it it was telling to me that Zach Wheeler said, listen, I I feel really safe here. I think that we've taken the, the, all the 
right protocols here. We're keeping it very clean. That's all of us when we go into our mm-hmm. workplace or to the grocery store or wherever. You want to make sure it's safe. I just want to make sure the players, because there are some, Bryce Harper wants to play. If Bryce Harper didn't want to be here, believe me, Bryce Harper would just peace out. But those, some of those guys want to be here. You just want to make sure that they're as safe as possible. And that brings you back to the question of, of baseball, how they're going to be able to do it. What precautions can they continue? Not just make right now. It's July. Right. I mean, I'm talking August, September, and then October, and then you got a postseason. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, there are players on all sides in every sport that just they want to be out there. You see it with golf. You see it with NASCAR. You see it with uh, football. Uh, I want to work out. I want to go. But you just want to make sure that they're as educated and as safe as possible because it's not just about them wanting to be, I want to play the sport I love. We want you to. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that level, let's just make sure we got everything crossed and dotted because I also want you back. Right. But for me personally, I want to make sure that all the T's are crossed, all the I's mm-hmm. are dotted, and it's a nice, clean piece of paper that we begin but, to but write on. But they think they have – they're trying to do that. Right. The thing is with this virus, it's impossible it's to do that. Yeah. Because we don't you know. don't know. And I think football is going to be way worse. And college yeah, football is the worst. You got 55 guys hitting each other. Well, 22 on every play. Um, it's to, Baseball, at least, you can kind of social distance yeah. in baseball. Say, right. Um, right, right fielder is nowhere near second base. Right. That's well more than six feet. Football is, and football are going to have fans in the stands at some point. You know that. Um, I just think that's going to be a way bigger undertaking. Yeah, in baseball, I mean, Kevin, you brought up college, and college is such. I mean, college football. To talk about the money you there. Can't, you I mean, can't. It's, you it's, can't have college football in the in the fall. You can't. I, I don't. I don't know how you say you have student athletes if you don't let students back on campus because it's not safe. Absolutely. Yet you put your football team out there, and I get that the football players are going to play. These are 19, 20 year old kids. I get it. I was nineteen and twenty. Nothing was going to bother. I I couldn't get hurt. I understand it's the game you love. You want to, and they. These guys want to make it to the NFL, the Alabama players, the LSU players, Auburn, USC, Texas. These are giant football programs that bring in millions and millions each week, each week. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a billion-dollar industry, and it is an industry. Let's let's make no joke about it. I went to school in the South. Those guys on Saturday, they were one idea, and it was about making the money on Sunday. And that's that's what the teams knew. That's what the teams knew. They knew that they could they could market the product. My thing is, I think that um, the SEC, if you cancel, if the NCAA says we're not having it, the SEC will just be like, you know what, we'll form our own league and we'll just play each you, other. You don't think they would play a January through April schedule? I mean, they could. Not up north, like Minnesota couldn't do that. Um, Michigan, Minnesota that would be a could go into the dome for them. But if they have, if they could play in a dome um, and not outside, I think they could do that. I think that football is is a very problematic sport for the reasons you guys mentioned as far as containing uh, a virus of this level because you're there. We've been in locker rooms. I mean, they're going to have to have whole new wings built because the lockers are – I mean, when I say they're close, you'll be interviewing a guy and there is a guy literally touching you because he's at his locker. So these are larger humans. They obviously touch each other all the time. You're, You're back and forth. There's sweat. There's spit. It's it's a very interesting dilemma. I'll have to see because I already saw that USC uh, come out. And when I say USC, you guys do know I mean Southern Southern Cal, Cal. right? Don't I hate when people think I mean South Carolina. I would never in the world ever call them that. 
Um, but they were like, oh yeah, no, we're going to go online classes, but football's like back on. I was like, I don't, that's just, the NCAA should just close up shop then because that is it's, so it's a hip- ruse. That is it's so hypocritical to do that when you're a university of higher learning, Correct. supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, and, and as people have told me, what 19 and 20 year old kid is going to follow all the protocols that you're going to set down to try to keep them safe. Well, how are you going to? They're f- not. How are you going to follow them in dorm halls? How are you going to follow them at the in the in the cafeteria? You, you can't. It's a very They're large expectation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and there, I mean, do you do you have somebody police them? I mean, I I don't. Where when I went to school, we had guys. If there was a, an athlete in your class, mm-hmm. you would usually see, um, especially if he was a guy that maybe didn't go to class, you would see a guy that was associated with that team outside the door, especially on test day, to make sure that said athlete showed up. This was true for women's and men's sports, so I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything about whatever it is. Do you have more of those people to make sure that, like, where, where, where are we going with this? Where does it end? Because, yeah. listen, you hear about, like, oh, these Alabama parties are having COVID parties because the kids want to get it now so they can go back to school. Like, that's the mind. These are the same generation that ate Tide Pods. Yeah. So, I mean, like, let's see what we're doing here. Let's try to figure it out have something good, but I just can't imagine you have an enrolled student body online and then all of a sudden you just have football. Well, there's me, just no way. Before but we, I can say that Kentucky basketball has moved into their dorms. That's All of them moving in last week with their masks and everything. They're the only ones there right now. Hey, but. hey Amy, by the way, who won the simulated uh, NCAA tournament final Sweet 16 or Final 8 or whatever between Kentucky and Villanova? Because I know that game got played somewhere in somebody's mind in your household. <laughs> Listen, I think in this and this might be the only time that Sean will admit that Kentucky had a better team than Villanova. I always wow. think Kentucky has the best team. But he knows that they were young and that maybe they weren't going to go all the way. But he has admitted this Kentucky team this year, because they had the makeup of guys that actually stayed longer than a year, shocking. I actually um, thought, Amy, to Kentucky before all this crap happened. Was they a, a real? Good, sli- I thought they yeah. were a real sleeper choice in the tournament because there wasn't a lot of great teams. Yeah, you know, there wasn't Kansas, a team that was dominant. Kansas loses a lot when they're good, you know. And yeah, I really thought John. Sure. Yeah, I thought John had a shot, but I thought that would have been an interesting game between the Jay Wrights and the Coach Cal. Because, because obviously, I think Jay Wright um, coaches is one of the best in-game coaches. He makes the adjustments and he gets the most of his players. Cal's team, I mean, obviously they had the talent. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey is, is a lottery pick without question. But then the talent level was just not as high as it has been. But the experience level was right. so much higher than it had been. So you got players that had been there before and knew what it took. And when you look at, like, the 2012 Kentucky team or anytime any team wins the national championship, you have to have a good mix. you got to have talent and you got to have experience. And, like, that's why Zion Williamson didn't. Yeah. They, he, look at this guy. You tell me that guy wasn't going to win the national championship? Of course he was. But he, his whole team was freshmen. It's yeah, all that freshmen. Can, that Kentucky 2012 team had a pretty good player, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had Anthony Davis, who is obviously a transcendent <laughs> talent. But they also had a guy like Patrick Patterson and yeah. Darius Miller. Darius Miller was a senior for Pete's sake. I mean, a senior at Kentucky is – senior day is kind of one of those things like, what – do we have that? Oh, we do. Oh, it's usually a transfer or something. I mean, it, we don't have senior days. So it, it would have been interesting. I mean, I think Kentucky was a team. I think Lenardi did like a simulated tournament where they were, I think, in the final four. A couple of people have done some simulations. I think they would have had a chance. Um, 
But that's the thing. Like, what's the college basketball season? Do they start in January? I think that is probably a little bit more realistic, Kevin, going back to like shifted schedules. Maybe you don't have all these tournaments that you play and you go all over the country. Maybe you just stick in your conference and you do something like that. Which ought ought to be interesting, too, because, you know, a lot of teams or a lot of schools trying to avoid the breaks where teams go away and come back and all that. So it's I wanted to ask you one more question. Uh, uh, And you've been here a decade over a decade. Now. Yeah, yeah, over a decade. Um and, and you're one of the, you're one of the I don't want to say, you know, rare people, but there's been uh, you're a generation of the female sportscaster that has come in. You know, you and Leslie was there for a long time and D and now now obviously it's Serena and all that. You guys at Comcast have had a lot of them. Do you feel like the industry is getting better? towards the female broadcaster in sports industry yes i think it's more accepted um and i say that knowing that it's still not completely accepted um by viewers uh depending on where you are um some people just you know it's it's like kern's question of you know how would people feel if a, if an athlete got to ask on twitter ask a question on twitter and you'll find a real diverse answer pool. But mm-hmm. yes, I mean, I think it has. Even from when I started, I mean, I graduated mm-hmm. college in 04 and I started working in the industry during my senior year of college. I was the only female in my in the market in sports in Kentucky. And, then, and I wasn't necessarily treated all that great by the guys that I worked with. That was, you know, at this point, 15, 16 years ago. And then I go down to Nashville and I was in Baltimore. And so each stop, there was a little bit more acceptance because time had gone on and it wasn't such a novelty of like, oh, look, there's a lady with blonde hair talking about sports. So I think that it's more accepted, but it's the same. There's always going to be the same people that just think, all right, no, I'm good. But I think if you last long enough, like Leslie and Dee, you mentioned them, and then if you know your stuff, like Leslie and Dee and obviously Serena, you have a better chance. I mean, I always, when I talk to journalism students at Temple or LaSalle or wherever I go, I always tell them, like, as because I get the question, like, oh, is it, how do you feel like being a female? And I was like, I actually kind of forget sometimes, but right. I get reminded. I get reminded every now and again. Because if I say something wrong, my level of credibility was already here. If I, Mark Zumoff says it, as anything, his level of credit, he starts to hear. He started here when he was in 1975. Right. He always is going to be here. A guy coming in from graduating Temple is always going to be slightly higher. Just that's the assumption. And that's just our natural bias. And I don't fault it. I can never hate. I always tell them, it's like, I can't hate the game. I'm the one knowing that and I joined it and I'm fine with it. But it just means you got to be just a little bit more on point. You can't misspeak because if you do, you're already here. You drop off, and, and because there of the no and because of the Twitter atmosphere, and that people, you know, we talked about this before we came on. The fact that people will say whatever they want to say, a lot of disgusting things yes. at times, uh, and that's by the way, it, it's also men sometimes get that too, but it's a lot more for for females in this industry. Can you has that gotten any better, or is that getting worse? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I want to say it's gotten better, but maybe it's because the comments are fewer, but the ones that come are worse. So I think as a society, we've gotten kind of more keyboard cowboy, keyboard cowboy brave. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like people feel more empowered to say how they feel and what they want to say, which is wonderful. And I love for people sharing. And honestly, at this point, like I kind of 
I don't want to say I don't care about it because obviously if someone says something personal to you, you're going to take it personally. But I think it's gotten better to the point that I don't hear it as much in a negative space. Okay. If I do hear something negative, I, I kind of look at it and be like, well, that's only one comment out of whatever, 50 comments. And I kind of try to take that approach to it. Now, that comment might, might be a, a little bit more harsh than any comment I've gotten previously. Even if I've gotten six comments on one post, they're all kind of like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. But then one comes and it's you know really like offensive. I just, I, I, I always kind of wonder what that person's thinking. Like, how do you type that on a computer and think, this is good, send. But I think that about a lot of things lot that of I things. read on Twitter. Like, you write that and thought, yep, this is good, send. So I think it's gotten better. I mean, I don't feel it. I, it was the funny thing, you know, I moved here from Baltimore. My family's from Virginia. I grew, I grew up there until I was 18. I moved to Kentucky to go to school there. And then I've lived in Kentucky and in Nashville. And all my friends in Kentucky and now, oh my gosh, you live in Philadelphia, all the people. And I was like, the people are as nice as they can be. I felt more accepted here readily than I did when I went on the air in Kentucky right away. Um, and I just think that's, you know, maybe the, the nature of the beast. Here, it's just, if you know your stuff, there, you, you're going to be given a fighting chance. If you don't know your stuff, you're going to be exposed. And I feel like that's probably the underlying thing more than me being a female is if I have people come up to me and ask where I went to high school, I tell them it's from, I went in Virginia and they're like, Oh really? And I'm like, that's the highest compliment you could ever give me. But you think that I'm from here. And I love that. I've been here 11 years now, almost the 11 years this fall or this uh, winter. So, I mean, I think that that's really what I think about more than, than people being like, Oh, it's a female. I, I don't feel that as much anymore. I really don't. Mike. That's why I never read the comments on my stories. People <laughs> would ask me that idea. all the time. I'm like, why would I read them? If they're good, what, what am I going to do? Pat myself uh, on the back and I did good. And if they're nasty, it's just going to get me upset. Yeah. So, but I got to tell you something, Amy. When, and I, as much as I love Michael, and I think Michael had one of the toughest jobs in the world handling Daily News Live, the circus that that could be. Philly Sports when, Talk. When, 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 well, no, Daily News Live. Philly Sports when Talk. You, when you were the host, and I always looked forward to it because I always knew it would be uh, not only fun, but there'd be a certain level of common sense. Like, like you wouldn't go off the rails. I could always count on you to. not going <laughs> off the rails, and I appreciated that. So, well, I miss you know. that show very much. I miss I miss Daily News Live, and we can call it that because that's what it was for, um, you know, 15, sixteen years. Um, and I certainly L- longer miss than, longer stuff. than Mash. We were on longer yeah. than Mash. I mean, it was, and and I appreciate that feedback, and I get that feedback a lot. Obviously, I have a more relaxed approach. You know, I generally, I'm a positive person. I have a very optimistic view on, on life, and I try to live everything that way, and I try to bring that. So that's, but I just would have fun. I mean, I'm literally sitting there. Those are days like that. I'm like, what are we doing today, Kev? Yeah. Oh, we're talking about sports. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, and I just think generally that was it. You that know what's fun funny? I was, on, I was on Philly Sports Talk about 20 times. Okay. 20, 25. I don't think I ever had you as a guest host. No. Oh. Hi, Shawnee. Nice, Shawnee's behind. <laughs> uh, uh, Amy's a little boy and a it's second one on the way. Five, uh, soon to be six year old in, in October. And You're kidding me. Yeah. He's huge. I know. He's very tall. And a Nova fan. Right? Yeah. Nova yes. fan? And another one on the way. Come October. So Come October. I have a brother. Does, does he root for Villanova or Kentucky? Oh, Mike Kern wants to know if you wrote for Villanova or Kentucky. Yeah, that's. I mean, I was a losing battle. Yeah, that, you, <laughs> weren't, you weren't. You weren't going to win that. <laughs> you were surrounded. You were surrounded. 
But yeah, yeah, I but know. the next one might root for Kentucky. You know, you, you <laughs> got a chance. It's a boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. Sorry. Amy Fadul from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Guys, Amy, this was a blast. Thank I appreciate you so, it. So much. Uh, we'll thank do it you again. very much. We'll do it again yeah. soon. I'm be, home. <laughs> be well. Be well. And we'll be hey, back be on safe, work on the beat. Be safe with your baby. Yep. I will. Thank we'll you. Be, guys. We'll be back on work on the beat right after this. Sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workinthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. Our thanks to Amy Fadul for joining us here on Work in the Beat is uh, one of our favorites. I think we've always agreed, Mike, one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. I mean, she would, like, how can I describe what... what I, I never like look. I love Michael. Michael was the 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 fixture oh. on on Daily News Live for so many years. But my, you know, Michael's got his way of doing it, and that's Michael. You know, he he's, he needs some decaf every now and again, but that that's okay. That's you know, Michael. You know, and you needed that. But sometimes when they she would just bring a different kind of perspective to it, a different kind of vibe. It was I always felt a little more relaxed. Um, and she never. Like she never talked down to anybody, and I don't mean Michael did. I don't. I don't mean that in that way. But she always had a nice way about her. Mm-hmm. While and, and and she knew a lot. You know, she was very knowledgeable about what she was doing. But I just liked her approach to how she does it. Yeah, and and, and that's I think the thing that comes through even now, right? Yeah, Amy is Amy's the real deal. And now, and that's not saying that others aren't. But what you get no. with Amy is what. Is the genuine article? She's going to say her opinion. She's intelligent and, and and charismatic and all that on, on television. She's the exact same person. And um, actually, we've been. Fortunate. And if she doesn't know, Kevin, if she doesn't know, she'll she'll say, say I, don't know, I don't know. Which is a lot of people won't do that. And to be honest, uh, you know, this isn't just her either. I mean, we've been fortunate in this town with Leslie and D and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Kristen Rogers at 29 now, and he, uh, Jamie Apodi at six, and there's Leslie Van Arsdale, who used to be at Channel 3. We've had a lot of very nice and talented and smart uh, female reporters who have come through this town. So uh, yep. I, I should I should point all of them out and not just say it's an NBC Sports Philadelphia thing. It's been something complete through the market. Um, the Eagles have just released the statement on Deshaun Jackson and um, – if you had not heard, Deshaun Jackson on his Instagram posted three things last night that were considered anti-Semitic, um, quoting quoting um, comments that were made by uh, Adolf Hitler and from the teachings of Louis Farrakhan, uh, a book that quoted the teachings of Louis Farrakhan and all that. Deshaun tri- uh, apologized. Um in a way on Instagram and the Eagles have responded with, we have spoken to Sean Jackson about his social media post 
Regardless of his intentions, the messages he shared were harmful, offensive, harmful, and absolutely appalling. They have no place in our society and are not condoned or supported in any way by the organization. We are disappointed and we reiterate the show on the importance of not only apologizing, but using his platform to take action to promote unity, equality, and respect. We are continuing to evaluate the circumstances and will take appropriate action. Uh, we take these matters very seriously and are committed to continuing to have a productive and meaningful conversation with Deshaun, as well as all our players and staff, in order to educate, learn, and grow. Uh, Mike, this gets to the point of sometimes uh, the best thing players can do is not hit send. And Well, yeah, but it, like first of all, I don't know. I didn't see it, so I don't know what he quoted Hitler or what he quoted far for. I, so I don't know. I, I hate speaking on things right. when I don't know the context okay. of what he said or what he meant. But whatever it was he was trying to say or mean, it's idiotic if you don't think you're going to post something like that and then get the response that he's getting. That, that you know, unless you don't care. You know, uh, how many times in the last months, especially with all the stuff that's been happening in this country, have we seen people post stuff and then apologize for it. I don't want the apology. Don't post it. You know, I, I don't need... Everybody thinks if they apologize, it makes it okay. Right. Well, it doesn't make it okay. You know, it just means that you apologized. On his Instagram... I'm reading from ESPN here. On his Instagram story feed, Jackson featured a quote that he attributed to Hitler that said, white Jews, quote, will blackmail America. They will extort America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes know who they were. He also shared two posts on Instagram on Saturday and Monday expressing admiration for Farrakhan, who the Anti-Defamation League and the Southern Poverty Law Center has defined, uh, identified as an anti-Semite. After receiving criticism on social media, Jackson, a three-time Pro Bowl selection, said the posts were, quote, taken the wrong way. Anyone who feels like yeah. I hate have hate towards the Jewish community took my post the wrong way. He posted on Instagram along with the highlighted passage that was attributed uh, to Hitler. I have no races, uh, hatred in my heart towards nobody. Equality, equality. How are you supposed to take them? I, Please, no, you you explain to me. I, I don't okay, know. How was I, I it's an to, okay, absolute. So he's an idiot then. He's an idiot. And, and if he, I don't know why he posted them. And if he doesn't like Jewish people. For whatever reason, okay, that that's your choice. You, you you know, but why do you put it on Instagram? And for why, why do you put it? You know, and he used the word Negro, which I thought well that black that, people never use. Well, that or, was that was a term that was used back in the '30s, which is where right, the quote right, right, supposedly right. came from. Um, can we please hold, move on? Oh, hold on, I I, I, I got I, one yeah, thing. I can for the Eagles. <laughs> now for the Eagles, this is a. Tricky situation because of the Riley Cooper situation back six years ago. They have to they have to be able to to meet this moment here. So I would assume some suspension is coming. Okay, form. so I mean I I don't know how. Yes, so they'll suspend them what for a game? They'll suspend them for two games. They'll suspend them for the season. Uh, does the NFL do have re- anything to do with this? Does Roger Goodell? You know, what does the players union think of this? I'm guessing there's some Jewish people in the players union. Uh, you know, I guess there's some Jewish people in ownership or general managership or coaching. Shit. I mean, it's just when people do things like this, I just don't get it, Kevin. I, I don't. 
I understand in a country 350 million, as Amy was pointing out, there, you're not going to have 350 million people thinking the same way. And you wouldn't want that. But my God, I mean, and then when he comes out and says, I was taken out of context. It's always I was taken out of context. How many times have I heard that in the last three months? Yeah. You know, and it, it just gets to the point. I don't want to hear you were taken out of context. Then don't say it in the first place. So, and, you know, no, and whatever. I, I, I agree. Which leads us to the next issue, which is something that is an NFL issue. And that is the, uh, the name of the Washington franchise in the National Football League which has been the Redskins since 1937. It has been under fire, basically, for uh, the last 30 years. Uh, Finally, Daniel Snyder, because of the pressure put on him by sponsors with FedEx and Pepsi and Nike, appears to be moving down the line towards changing it. Also, the Cleveland Indians are changing theirs. Um, It's long overdue, isn't it, Mike? Well... I will say this. If we're going to live in a politically correct society now, you better be aware that anything could be changed, even some things that you don't think necessarily. Now, we wouldn't have a team called the South Philly, think of a derogatory term for Italian-Americans. Right. Now, it wouldn't maybe. So, but it took what to, to, to do this? Because this goes back to like 1972 when the Redskins were in the Super Bowl and people were talking about their names. Um, and then, you know, the Braves have come out and said, well, ours isn't derogatory. You know, they have apparently there's an agreement with the Indians. The Indians see that as, as the Chiefs, Seminoles, and okay. Braves. Right. But I mean, is every right. But I mean, are the Kansas City Chiefs going to have to change their name? Is every college team that has, you know, a, a, a name now? Florida State's come out and say no. You know, the, the Seminoles are on board with us. Okay, fine. I mean, I, I, like, I don't have a good answer for you. Yeah, if it offends somebody, then it shouldn't be a name. But this tells you what our country was like 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. That nobody cared. And the Redskins owner, if I'm, if my history is correct. They were the last team in the league to integrate. Yeah, George Bobby, Prescott Marshall. Bobby Mitchell. And the, yeah, he was a, allegedly a, a racist guy. I, yep. I I don't know. I didn't know the guy. Um, you know, but and, and so so you change the name to what? So and all the people who have Redskins gear, you know, I guess what they they get new gear or the the, mm. the Indians went away from their logo, right? Yeah, the the, the Indian guy. Yeah, they still call themselves the Indians. Yeah, but now um, and now that's going to change likely to yeah. something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I Kevin, it, 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 I don't know. The, the answer obviously is yes. You change the name because it offends people. But you know, at what point do we change every name that might be somewhat offensive? Yeah, they, they were talking about the Utah Utes. Um, you, you well, know, some people were pointing that out. There you know? was an SI article that there's a, there's a movement to have Notre Dame change the fighting Irish. And that's tied in with the culture that has embraced it. I mean, right. But I, th- I think in, in that sense, and maybe I'm wrong now because I'm not Irish, but that's a kind of, you're, you're not being derogatory towards Irish or, or is it meant to be that like they get drunk and fight? I think the I idea, I think the idea that- they view is, is that, that, Image of the leprechaun um, with right. the fight, maybe the drunken fight thing. It, that right. that might be taken a little too far, 
but I can't speak for every Irish person either. But but is it is, is it offensive to the Irish people, or is it um, offensive to people that the leprechaun, like I don't know, might be offending people that aren't Irish? I I don't. I'm, I'm trying to figure uh, no, out. No, I, I understand you know, what you're saying, and I agree. But I, I think that the idea they're saying is that it promotes a stereotype of a drunken Irishman and how the okay. Irish were discriminated okay. against in the tw- up until the 20s and all that. I, right. But see, to me. Like with the Redskins, obviously there are Native Americans who are saying that's offensive. Mm-hmm. Okay, are there Irish people? I have yet to meet saying, one. What's that? I have yet to meet one. Right. So I would me, have to change if, half if the, the stuff on the walls here. So what if you just call them the Notre Dame Irish? Would would that be okay? I don't. I I, I would think I, so, but that's not that's not my call. Know. I mean, didn't they change um, St. John's change to the Red so Storm, the red, right? Yeah, from the Red Men, which... Uh, For the Red Men, the which stamp, is the same as Indians. The, I mean, uh, well, the same as Redskins, right? Yeah, yeah. Redskins Pretty is... Pretty much. At Redskins is a different level. Um, sure. Because the, the, the R word is similar to... And, and some people view it as offensive as, as other derogatory words that I'm not going to use, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. But think about this, Kevin. This all goes back to a man being killed in Minneapolis, Minneapolis yep. that we all saw. The whole world has changed. Now, some people are willing to accept that it's going to change. A lot of people aren't. Okay, and I understand that. And it's not going to be changed tomorrow, and it may not be changed at all. I mean, it may, but it's pretty clear that the Redskins are going to have a new name. Mm-hmm. The Indians are probably going to have a new name. I'm guessing, and some people that maybe we're not even thinking about, like you mentioned, the Irish. I. Had not even really thought about. Yeah, that. I just saw that on um, Facebook this morning. Yeah, so yes, there, there's and it will and and when the names change, it will offend some people. Mm-hmm. The other way, uh, my take on it is, it's easy for me as a an English German American. That's my ancestry to sit there and go, "Hey, it's the Redskins." You know, it's it's. It, I mean, is the Cowboys like an offensive name to some people? I, who you know, the Cowboys beat up on the. I, I have no idea, but. That's the world that we now are living in because of everything that's happened in the last six weeks in this country. Right. That everything is going to come under higher scrutiny. And that's why statues are coming down. And then some people don't want the statues to come down. And the Confederate flag is coming into the mix. And names on on military bases is coming into effect. And, you know... I, where it's going to go and where it's going to end, I, I haven't the foggiest clue. And I'm going to pause it, right? Okay, so let's move to another topic. Um, you wanted to talk about the opt-outs. Um, well, we did a little bit with Amy. Right. I mean, I mean, do you think this is going to get done? I mean. They're going the, to start, the, Kevin, because. Are they going to get to a finish line? Well, I. I I mean, I think they're going to try to get to a finish line because once you start, you don't want to stop. The only thing that would stop it, in my estimation, is that you would have to have – I'm not even sure if one team couldn't play or two teams couldn't play. If that would be enough to say we got to shut this down, I don't know. know, They're having a soccer tournament right now where the one team isn't playing because FC Dallas, I think, because they they had too many guys test positive. But they're still playing. Yeah. So, like – if the Phillies said, hey, we can't play, okay, so if the team playing the Phillies, do they get forfeit wins? Um, you know, is this a contingency in Major League Baseball? 
What I'm saying is it concerns me that a lot of athletes, not only in baseball, but we're seeing it in basketball, uh, hockey, not as much, but, you know, but players and and people that are going to be there, managers, who are saying, hey, whoa, wait a minute. You know, the testing testing process has to be better than this. Well, they're only three weeks out. Um, It just seems to me that I think they have the best intentions Mm -hmm. under the circumstances, but the best intentions, as we've seen, the virus controls the intentions. Um, But now when Nick Marquesa says, hey, I talked to Freddie Freeman, I ain't playing because Freddie seems like he's on death's bed. What does that tell you? Uh, you know, now, are most of the players going to get sick like Freddie Freeman? No. You know, which I guess is what the president's trying to tell me is that, you know, hey, 99% of you, you know, everything's okay. Don't yeah, – it just I, – I, you know, I mean, the Phillies haven't even done anything yet and how many guys have tested positive. Yeah, and it's funny because I was just looking at my email and – um Matt Clentak is having a media availability that they just announced within the next 10 minutes. So, I so wonder, what, do you th- what do you think? I don't know. It's, I mean, I, it's very... He, and the thing is, Kevin, I think is the, is, the, is the wild card in all this, or maybe I'm overstating it. Nobody seems to know if you got it. Where it so goes. if you tested positive now, are you then good? Yeah. Like, you know, you, can't, you don't have to worry about it as much. Because, I mean, so if, let's say Aaron Noel had it. I'm just throwing out a name. Okay, so then, then when Aaron gets over it, does that mean Aaron can do whatever the hell Aaron wants? Nobody seems to have that answer. No. Um, and, and how weakened does it leave you? And, and, and Don't know. The damage that may be done long term. Yeah, I mean, we, like Amy was pointing out with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And look, Rudy Gobert may be a, a, a you know, a, one of those one percenters. I have no idea. What if it leaves you with some kind of permanent damage yeah. or some kind of, uh, you know, who, who the hell knows? Yeah. It's it's um, and I know they all want to play because of the money they need it, whatever. But it goes back to my thing is, am I being selfish as an American yeah. sport fan to say, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, the Braves, okay, you know, yeah, Freddie's going to be sick. He's you know, it's the worst sick he's ever been. But you know what? He'll get over it. It's okay. Oh, and one of his teammates got okay, but it's a, like at what point do we say as a society, no, it's it's not worth it for you guys to do it. No, I I don't know. Anyway, so that's our story for this week. Um, we are back on Thursday morning, and we have Mister Missinelli will be joining us on uh, Thursday. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I gotta I gotta point something out before we go. So, go ahead. You know I make a weekly golf stuff on Betters Inside. Go ahead. Okay. And this week, I had Bryson DeChambeau. He was only 6-1. to one. He was the favorite. He hadn't won since November of 18. I just said, look, I never played a favorite. I, I, I just – I'm not that guy. But I said, look, I really think he's got – and I threw out – just bet him to finish in the top five. I think he was paying one and a half. Anyway, and I also threw out as my long shot Matthew Wolf who was leading by three going into the last round at 100 to one and finished second. So if you bet him to finish like in the top 10 or the top five, even through a cup. But anyway, I had a good week. I, I don't know what that means, but I have so many bad weeks that I just thought I should. And God forbid, if you could have bet the exacto, which I did not suggest, I don't know what the hell that would have paid. 
But it was just nice to see my two guys or two of my guys up there. And um, it would have been nice if Matthew would have won because that was like 100 to 1. Yeah. But he, he did finish second, so to the favorite. Yeah. So what the hell? And, and, and now we're on to this week. Whoever, uh, the guy I'll pick will finish 38th. Yep. You know, it'll be, it'll be wonderful. But I try. All I That's all you can do. And now I got to fix my T. I got to get my TV. It is, is <laughs> when my now when my I'm lucky we have two TVs. But I, I, the, when the one TV goes, it just um, it just throws me for a loop. I'm just you know. Uh, I so Mr. Missinelli on Thursday we we had the actually one of the stories I wanted to tell you and I'll tell you off air uh, on Thursday. Uh, we have a famous guest connected with. One of our themes, our in-roll or out-roll, who wants to come on the show. Billy Joel? No. Somebody from the Hoops. Oh. Okay. And they want to come on with you, me, and Mr. Silski, because they heard us talking about last time. So Mike is coming on before he he does his show on Thursday? Yes. 10 a.m. What time? 10 a.m. 10? Okay. So I'll have to, okay. We'll figure out. That that should be interesting. I I haven't talked to Mike in a while. Yep. Um... Mike is, if nothing else, Mike is interesting. Mike is very interesting. And um, I find him sometimes to be very insightful. Uh I like like Mike. I I think sometimes Mike is a little too much of Mike, but they're all like that. That that goes with that territory of being that person. You have to be that person. Um, Tyrone has to be that kind of outgoing person. I like Tyrone. Yep. Um, All those people, um, uh, Santunas. You know, that's the kind of personality you have to have. But Mike has been – how long – I know it's been 30 years on radio. It was it was like yes. the early 90s. Yeah, it was. So, and that's a long time. I'm having um, headphone issues, by the way. My headphones are falling apart. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't, didn't mean to have your headphones fall apart. Um, <laughs> that's okay. You know, I'm and getting... he worked in New York. I mean, he's worked with Stephen A. Yeah. He's, you know, he's done some some different things. Yes. And, um you know, and and uh, and he can be uh, a volatile uh, lightning rod, should we say? Is yeah, that a good word? Yeah, it's a good word. Sometimes, yep. yeah. All right, Michael. But he, survived, but he survives. He survives and advances, yes, and does. that's what we do. Our thanks to Amy Fadul for joining us. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Yeah, man. We'll see you on Thursday. This has been Work of the Beat.